0: Hello, you're listening to Recommendation of My Taco Spouse. I'm Jen.
1: And I'm Wesley. So let's get
0: started. That
1: was a very chipper little wiggle at the end there.
0: You didn't see anything.
1: Well, the listeners didn't, but I did.
0: You didn't see anything.
1: I see a lot of things.
0: Well, that's because you try to do everything in a video game.
1: It's true. I do.
0: Especially Metroidvanias.
1: Oh, that's our subject this week.
0: Oh, that's convenient.
1: Surprise, surprise.
0: <laughs> so this again wasn't exactly a recommendation. It was a recommendation from somebody else.
1: Yeah, one of your coworkers gave you a video game. Yeah, and said go play it.
0: Yes, my coworker lent me Metroid Dread. Yes, and I was like, I'm you know, somewhat interested in playing it, but I think Wes is more interested. Hey, Wes, do you want to give us a go? And I will watch you. And you did.
1: And I did. And you beat it. And I beat it. How'd it go? So. (laughs) (laughs) You had issues. I have opinions. Opinions about elves.
0: So I feel like before we really get into Dread, we kind of need to talk about what is a Metroid game? Because I had never played a Metroid game. Actually, I still technically have never played Metroid because I didn't play it. I just watched you play Dread. Just just Metroid on its own.
1: Just Metroid on its own. Yes. <sighs> That's tricky. Okay. Right? Because the way you're saying it, just Metroid on its own, means that we're trying to avoid the fact that the genre is now called Metroidvania. Yes. So it's what differentiates a Metroid from a Metroidvania? Or, in other words, how has Nintendo ignored the quality of life upgrades that came after they started the genre? Both. Both is good. Yes.
0: Wait, I didn't think Nintendo did Castlevania.
1: No, they didn't. That's what I'm saying. Ah, okay. Nintendo made Metroid, then Castlevania improved on the formula, and then Nintendo did their standard Nintendo thing of, wait, there's other video game companies, and they haven't adapted those improvements back into the Metroid formula.
0: So a Metroid is a Metroidvania, but not as good as what actual Metroidvanias are, even though half of its name is in the criteria.
1: It's the primogenitor of this genre. (laughs) Yeah. But no, so it's, and here's where it gets tricky, right, is what are you talking about? I mean, a Metroid game is pretty obvious. A Metroid game is a game that has Metroid in the title. Mm. And unlike, say, Super Mario, they have remained, there's so few of them that they've remained true to what a Metroid game is with big air quotes on that. Yeah. In that sense, that it's about a bounty hunter, Samus Aran, who keeps finding excuses to go to planets to kill all the local wildlife.
2: <laughs> and-
1: <laughs> to, I
0: thought I, My impression is it's have her powers taken away from her and then she has to go around collecting all her powers and then has to escape wherever she is from before everything explodes. Yeah, because, she,
1: because she's killed all the local water. Because
0: she's killed all the local water. Yes.
1: Now, in the first one, of course, you didn't have to have all your powers stripped away. But when you come to the second one, it was kind of like, well, oh, she already has all these powers. What are we going to do? Standard thing of pulling them all away from you.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And Metroid Dread is the same thing.
0: Yeah, it, it seems to follow the formula.
1: Yeah. And so the idea is that it's an exploration-based game where you're exploring this new planet. But different parts of the exploration might be gated off behind Samus's abilities that you find as you explore. And so there may be something just out of reach, but as you explore, you'll find a grapple beam or you'll find ice missiles or you'll find a double jump. And then that will let you get up to that previously out of reach area to go explore more.
0: Okay, so it's like a massive map. That you can go off and you're like, oh, I can't get to this, but I'll, I'll remember to come back here later. And so I'll go off and get this ability and then I'll get distracted by something else. And then I'll get, have this massive adventure in this extremely explorative, exciting world with lots of abilities and creatures to come
1: across. Yes, But, but, <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get too deep into the woods, uh, weeds, um, It's still kind of hard sometimes to pin down what makes a Metroidvania a Metroidvania, though. Mm -hmm. Because what we just described, that's a lot of video games. We just described Pokemon. (laughs) Think about it. Pokemon is a big, vast, explorative world, and there's parts you can't get to until you get Surf or Cut or Strength, where you get different abilities to unlock new parts of the map that you earlier saw but couldn't get past.
0: Okay, so what makes a Metroidvania, then? Why... Makes Metroidvanias different from, like you said,
1: Pokemon. That's the tricky bit. Now, a lot of times to me, like everyone I think you're asked will have a different answer for this mm-hmm. because some people would say, oh, you know, it's the 2D map exploration. But then are you saying that the Metroid Prime games aren't Metroidvanias? But then if you are including Metroid Prime, which are first person shooters, does that mean that Doom is a Metroidvania? We have to go around finding new key cards and new abilities to unlock new parts of the map. And then people would be like, but Doom has separate levels. And then I'd point back at something like Metroid Dread, where each of the different map sections just feel like different levels because they're not really in any way connected to each other. Mm, so you kind of get these. You can
0: trans- traverse between them. You can
1: traverse between levels in Doom. Oh, okay. I mean, that so it, it gets weird in the weeds. And there was. There was an old court case in America, when they were discussing obscenity laws and pornography. Mm -hmm. And one of the famous lines that came out of it was, you know it when you see it.
2: Mm, Like, I can't tell
1: you exactly what separates art and pornography, but you know it when you see it. And I feel on some level, a Metroidvania is very similar to that. Mm -hmm. in that, you know, nobody out there would make an honest argument that Pokemon is a Metroidvania. But when they lay out some of the requirements, you can be like, well, Pokemon fits that if you want to be an ass about it. <laughs> right. Not that anyone would ever do that.
0: Not that anyone would be an ass about, you know, defining- Semantics. Yeah. Semantics, yes.
1: Words. So, quiet you. <laughs> So you get those games that kind of seem to fit in some certain weird ways, but they're not really. And then you get other ones, like there was a recent roguelike called Dead Cells, And Dead Cells, you get new abilities that let you traverse the map differently, and it's a big map. But every time you die, you go back to the beginning, and it opens up a new thing. So some people have been like, well, it's kind of a Metroidvania, but it's a roguelike instead. And you get those weird ones that kind of seem to fit. But I I do feel that—and this is, you know, the real cop-out answer—it's just you know when you see it. Right. But it's that feeling of exploring and finding new abilities and using those to further explore— As you come to grips with this new world that you're in, fighting various bosses or doing whatever along the way. Right. Would you kind of agree to that?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Okay. So was Metroid Dread a Metroidvania?
1: It was a shit example of the genre. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Wow. Tell us how you really feel. So with a lot of these style of games, I usually feel that the beginning of them is slightly linear. You know, we're talking about exploration, but it usually feels on a lot of these, when you get started, it's pretty linear in where you can go, and then it starts to open up.
0: Yeah, which makes sense, because they need to slowly introduce you to the world. And the ability, you can't the just a bunch of abilities in one go. Yeah, you need to get used to, you know, how the game plays.
1: Yeah, and so there's going to be a lot of those different ability gates kind of scattered around to keep you more or less in the same area. Mm-hmm. You know, Castlevania games are usually going through a grand hallway at the beginning as you enter Dracula's Castle. Um, on the, the older Metroid games, you do a little bit until you've got the Morph Ball or whatever. And then as you got these new abilities, then the map starts to open up and you're presented with different ways to go that you can go explore. And I usually find that the Metroidvanias that I like the most are the most free mm. in that sense, mm-hmm. which is why I didn't like Metroid Dread. Because I felt it heavily restricted you from exploring, not just for an opening bit, but for most of the game. Mm -hmm. At no time did I ever feel like I had that chance to just go off and explore. Because it had to get you from
0: set piece to set
1: piece. Because it had to get me from set piece to set. And it always, it never, you never even really went back to the same areas. You kept going through these one-way passageways that you Mm -hmm. couldn't get back through. And when it started giving you the abilities, it would let you get past through those one-way doors that used earlier. It just started using a different form of one-way doors so that you still couldn't get through them. And even when it would be something like, okay, you've done something in this section of the game, now go back to this section of the game. Instead of going back the way you came, because of those one-way doors, it would just take you on a slightly circuitous route to another elevator or another teleporter or something. that would plop you back in the other zone, but again, in a different area to get back to where you were. So it. it, Not exactly intuitive exploration. It it just. If you had taken the game on. You could have just set the game up as levels. You could have done it like a Mario game and said stage 1 1, stage 1 2, stage 1 3, stage 1 4, camouflage boss, stage 2 1, stage 2 2, stage 2 3, stage 2 4, whatever was next, the underwater boss, I don't remember. Um, And the game wouldn't have changed. Mm. Like. Right up until the very end of the game, it never really felt like you could just go off and explore this big mm-hmm. new map. And so, to me, I felt heavily disappointed by that. And I think that also contributed to the short play time. Yeah. I finished the game, like, uh, the game says my clear file was in
0: nine hours, nine and a half, nine
1: hours or something. Yeah. And I think that with some of my deaths, it came out to a bit more than that. Because they don't count that in your playtime, but they do count it in your overall time, which is weird. Which but, is weird.
0: That is weird, yeah.
1: But anyway, but so to me, that's not a long amount of time to have spent on a Metroidvania. Mm-hmm. When I look at past Metroid games that I've played, or sorry, not bad, when I look at past Castlevania games that I've played, when I look at things like even Guacamelee or uh, immediately after Metroid Dread to wash the taste out of my mouth, I went and started playing Hollow Knight. I put a lot of time into those, but I don't feel like I'm spending a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Like, I know, because it shows me my playtime, how much time I've spent in Hollow Knight, but I've never felt as frustrated running around that map as I did being shuttled from spot to spot in Metroid Dread.
0: Yeah. And even at the end, you started exploring because you wanted to find rockets for the final boss.
1: I didn't even want to find rockets. I just wanted to have that feeling of exploration, and I wanted to find something
0: but you just could, well, the only thing you could find was rockets. <laughs> well, that was,
1: yeah. I mean, that's that's getting into a whole different complaint with the game. But when you finally got to the exploration, it didn't feel like there was any purpose to it. Like, mm-hmm. I, as you were saying, the only thing I found was missile tank upgrades to get two more missiles. I'm like, well, that doesn't honestly help me in any way. And so why am I doing this? What's the point? Might as well just go fight the final boss. Yeah. Two more missiles aren't going to do anything. So on the exploration front, it feels like it's not there with dread. And what's weird, so to go back to the Castlevania aspect,
2: Mm -hmm. when
1: you look at the first few Castlevania games on the NES and the Super NES and all that, they were stage-based side-scrolling video games. Okay. It wasn't until uh, Symphony of the Night. Which was on. Oh,
0: that's the famous one.
1: Yeah, and that was on PlayStation yeah. and Sega Saturn. Okay, that was the one that turned it from Metroid to Metroidvania because mm-hmm. that was the big open exploration one. But when I play Dread, I was just saying it could fit in stages. That feels more like a Castlevania Four or Rondo Blood or whatever, where you you could do branching paths in some of those games depending Mm -hmm. on how you did in the stage earlier if you decided to go down these stairs to the docks or across and over the bridge or whatever so there was still branching paths you could do which you could do with dread in some parts i guess they didn't make it obvious but Mm, there is yeah but it it never it never felt like exploratory
0: yeah from watching you as a as a like backseat gaming or just literally just viewing you it did seem like you didn't really have much of a choice in terms of exploration. Like you could go find a secret wall, which gave you an item, but pretty much you only had one path to follow.
1: Yeah. That's how it felt playing it. And there are sequence skips in the game. I don't want someone to come back and be like, well, you can actually blank, blank, blank. And it's like, yes, you can sequence break the game, go way out of your way and somehow wind up with morph ball fallen bombs before you fight Kraid. So you can, Shoot yourself into his own stomach and blow him up from the inside out. Well, you can do that? Evidently. But you have to be actively trying to do that.
0: Ah, okay. So it's not like. It's not. You accidentally coming across it because the game lets you. It's forcing, going out of your way to make that happen. Yes. Right.
1: Yeah. So.
0: So you have to know that you could do that
1: to be able to do it. Yes. Mm. Yeah. To draw a comparison again, because as I said, I went off to play. Hollow Knight, immediately after Dread. And Hollow Knight, it feels like you have that open tutorial, like I said, at the beginning you have the initial tutorial, mm-hmm. like I said, with most of these games, where it puts you into uh, the crossroads. And you can wander around a bit, and, you know, there's different paths to take, but you're going to wander around the crossroads, you're going to come to some dead ends, and you're going to wind up fighting the False Knight. And then after you fight the false knight, it will give you your first movement. Tech. Actually, it just gives you first spell. It doesn't even give you more movement. Tech. You get the fireball, and from there you can start going places. Mm-hmm. So after that, where you go is pretty much entirely dependent on you. It's not. There's kind of what feels to be the organic path that you take for a little bit, but that's only if you want to. You know, and at, at no point like. You can just randomly decide, I'm just not going to do this part. You've given me this key, and there's a door that I can unlock with a key, and I'm going to go in there. Next thing you know, you're in the waterways, and then you wind up well underground, and then you're fighting for your life from bugs. And then you're. Well, I think that's
0: the whole game is fighting for your life true, from true. bugs. But, and then you're. <laughs>
1: then you've you found a bunch of spiders, and then you go off and you find a bunch of bees, and there's. Like everywhere in the game, there's multiple ways to get to. Yes, yes. And so it really feels like, and the multiple ways are dependent on different movement texts mm-hmm. that you've picked up from other parts of the map. So you're not locked into one route, depending on what you've found. And you can just keep going and kind of exploring this whole world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause and so it feels more organic as you do it.
0: I played, Hollow Knight was my first Metroidvania, and I played it twice. Because I loved it so much and both times I played it i I accidentally took different routes I got to places at different times I got there in different ways watching you you approach the game from a different very different way from how I approached the game and we both experienced the same things but we experienced them in different ways because we were it gave us the freedom to do it our own way yeah like I the first time I played I remember f- walking across the floor and it gave way, and I fell into this dark pit and it came up and the text came up on the screen as deep nest and I could hear this scurrying and chittering and it was like Jesus Christ where the fuck am I Ah, and trying to get out of there was terrifying and you defeated the mantis lords and you walked in a door from the side and you were like oh this is pleasant hi Cornifer can I have a map cool I'm leaving <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it, and it's just it feels more exploratory because of that. Yes. Whereas I feel that if you took 20 different gamers who maybe hadn't played a lot of Metroid games before and you gave them Metroid Dread, they would go through it in the exact, exact
0: same, same way. way. Yeah.
1: And that doesn't feel as fun to me.
0: Yeah. There was one other thing that I noticed while you were playing um, Dread. Well, I say noticed because you were screaming at things like, why the heck are you in bull form? Get out of bull form. What the heck? Ah! <laughs> in that the controls seem very frustrating. The
1: controls were complete and utter garbage with Dread. Completely horrible. And this is, this is just confounds. Now, I haven't played a Metroid other than Dread since Super Metroid. So for me, it has been over two decades in between Metroids. And there were a few Game Boy Advance ones in between there. And then there was the Prime series, which were the 3D ones. So as bad as it sounds, I'm not counting them in this because the controls for a 3D game are going to be so different from a 2D Mm -hmm. game. Yeah, And this is a 3D game. It's just on a 2D plane anyway. (laughs) um,
0: I mean, technically, Hollow Knight's a 3D game on a 2D plane.
1: Yes. Technically. Technically. But the characters in that are actually 2D. Yes. Whereas the characters in this are 3D models. And there's parts where it switches through a 3D view and you can see how stupid it looks. <laughs> it's oh, Sorry, I'm getting off subject. But there is... The controls. So traditionally in Metroid games, when you find the breakable blocks that are always hidden to look no different from anything else, which is really annoying. Because what do you do Just fire rockets randomly and say, oh, that block is breakable. Good thing I know, despite the fact that... Anyway... So you find them, and because it was an old 2D game, it would be a tile piece that would be that breakable block and a little square that would show, you know, emblem of a rocket that you can break a missile, I guess, that you can break with a missile. And in this, it does the exact same thing. But then when the game turns 3D, you can see that that tile piece is actually like a bar Oh, really? Because it's a 3D world, and so what is just a little square is actually this long rectangular prism. So not a cube? No, it's not a cube.
2: Huh.
1: It's ugly. It's so bad, but I'm getting off the subject. Yeah, yeah. We're talking about controls. controls. (laughs) And the controls were garbage. Now, as I said, I haven't played really a Metroid since Super Metroid back in the day, and I don't honestly remember it much. I've got- It's been a while. I've got child memories of it, and so what I remember is more impressions of the game than the game itself. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've seen people say that Samus has never moved better than Metroid Dread. Really? And if that's true, then I weep for all the people who've played earlier Metroids. Because Samus controlled like a truck. There was no <laughs> finesse in any of her movements. And some of this will be personal preference. I hate con- controlling a 2D game with a joystick. Mm-hmm. I just absolutely hate it. And my default... I mean, you
2: grew up
0: using a D-pad.
1: Yeah. And so my default for any time you give me a 2D game, my default is give me a D-pad. And Metroid Dread doesn't have that as an option. In fact, Metroid Dread has no controller options, which was annoying. And so there's times... But then when you mix that in with the other, control, you know, other movement tech in the game, for instance, if you want to double jump, you can't you have to jump to the side before you can double jump. Mm -hmm. And so there's times when I wasn't, I guess, pushing the stick far enough in a diagonal. And so you're getting ready to dodge boss and Samus does this wimpy little neutral jump that you can't double jump out of. And then you wind up eating a three hit combo from the boss and you die. And you're like, well, that was fun. Or like you were saying with the uh, morph ball, you have a, button to put Samus in Morph Ball form. You can just tap L2, which I don't know what you call it on the Switch. It's is LZ. LZ is that the Are those the bottom ones? Yeah. Okay. Why am I saying Z and you saying Z?
0: I don't know. Well, that's
1: weird. Anyway. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway. So you've got a button that you can tap... <laughs> Sorry. You've got a button that you can tap to put her into Morph Ball form. Or you can... From a neutral position, double tap down on the joystick. And that's also really annoying, is you can't go into a squat unless you're already in a neutral position.
0: So you have to stop moving. So you have to
1: stop moving and then, and tap, then down. tap down. But if you accidentally wiggle the stick squat in the wrong way. Moving. No, you can't squat while moving at all.
0: No, if you if you try to go down while moving, she then you'll go into it. ball form? Oh, no, no, she exactly.
1: doesn't do anything. She just stands there and she kind of aims down slightly. Oh my god. And you just eat whatever attack you're trying to dodge. Yeah. You can also hit the button to go into Morph Ball while moving, which causes her to do a slide. But then she just stands back up unless you've slid into an area that's too small to stand up in, in which case she stays in Morph Ball. The movement sucks in this game. It is the worst thing in the world. And as I said, you just do it—you accidentally do a little wiggle of the stick when you're in a neutral position, and then she is in Morph Ball, and then she won't stand up out of it. And you're... oh. I spent more time fighting her than I did fighting anything else, mm-hmm. which just made it incredibly frustrating. Especially not... when it came to the bosses.
0: Yeah, I was going to say that's not what you want when you have to. When it seems like the bosses were ridiculously difficult in the, this game,
1: the bosses weren't difficult. The bosses were really easy. Mm,
2: the, bosses, the controls
1: were stupid. The bosses were frustrating. Okay. And that comes in two parts. Number one, the controls. Mm-hmm. I felt like I was honestly fighting the controls more than I was fighting the bosses. And number two, all of the bosses in this game are damaged sponges. Ah. It, so you, you walk in and it, every boss follows the same pattern. The first time you walk in, you have to learn, how do I actually hurt this thing? Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, they're killing you. So you're going to respawn a few times, but they respawn you right outside the boss door. So it doesn't really matter. And once you learn their pattern, then you just sit there dodging their attacks forever while shooting them. And eventually the game says, okay, you've done enough damage. I'm going to give you a quick time event. And you either pass the quick time event and you move on to stage two of the boss, where you repeat the first part, where you go, okay, what's the new patterns I need to learn? Let me die a few times. Or you fail the quick time event, in which case you're stuck in the same phase and you redo what you just did a bunch until it says, okay, I'm going to give you another chance to that quick time event. And that's how you fight bosses in this game. But it never...
0: Good old quick time events. But
1: yeah, it just, it makes me, it makes... It's not really based on your skill. It's not based on uh, skill. I mean, it's based on skill with being able to handle a dump truck. (laughs) But there you go. So, and so we were talking about the missile upgrades earlier Mm -hmm. and how I just stopped exploring for missile upgrades because I didn't care. Every time you pass one of the quick time events to go to a new phase of the boss, the game just vomits new missiles at you. Mm. So you never run out of missiles because you're const- you're getting these quick time events to get more missiles. I
0: don't think you ever dropped below 90 missiles in the, in the final boss. Yeah.
1: And so but the, the, that's the bosses, but the rest of the game is like that too.
2: Mm. So as
1: you're running through the hallways trying to explore, which you can't do – You either come across enemies that die in one shot from your laser, Mm -hmm. which is fine, doesn't matter, or you come across enemies that are practically unhurt by your laser, but they're going to give you a very obvious quick time event, and if you hit that, then they die and they vomit a bunch of health and missiles at you. So what's the point? What am I doing here? Mm -hmm. The other thing you can find in that exploration is health upgrades. But health upgrades are few and far between, which you think would make them more valuable, but they're not because the boss damage scales faster than the health upgrades you get. Ah! So the first boss might kill you in three hits, and a later boss might kill you in four hits, but you've gotten seven health upgrades in between the two. So what was (laughs) honestly the point? Yeah. It's... It makes your exploration feel pointless, mm-hmm. except for to get the number in the corner up to 100%, which is always fun, but you're not actually getting anything from it. Yeah. And the movement's horrible, which makes the game frustrating to play. At mm-hmm. no time did I feel accomplished for beating a boss. When I, Whenever I beat a boss, I just went, wow, thank goodness I don't have to do that again. Now I can get on with the game. Yeah. But- Getting on with a game just meant running through the next few hallways until you get to the next boss to repeat.
0: It's on. Well, I guess it's a good thing that it was only ten hours. Ten long. hours long. It is. It is really like apples and oranges, though, because, like you said, you went onto Hollow Knight afterwards, which you had previously. You, you. I think you previously played about five or seven hours and then put it down and then picked it up again after this. Yeah. And you basically almost 100 percented it within two weeks.
1: Yeah, uh, which is insane
0: because it's amazing. But, but but the controls are fantastic.
1: I like, yes, every time I move that little bug, I know exactly where he's going. Yeah, like there's any time he dies to a movement error, that was on me.
0: Yeah, and whereas you know, half the time
1: with Samus, I was like, why the hell are you neutral jumping, you stupid, stupid space pirate. <laughs> <laughs> if he's a bounty hunter whatever i don't care. <laughs> and that actually though brings me to another part of it. Okay. If I may. Yeah. I was just saying Samus is a bounty hunter and not a space pirate. It doesn't matter. No. So part of the fun with exploring in Hollow Knight is that everywhere you go in that game you're finding out something about the world. Yes you're finding out something about the story. It doesn't your tell own-
0: you anything but it it doesn't like explicitly tell you yes this is this is what this is and this is what this means. It shows you through the background or through maybe a tiny three line note yeah and yeah you you find so
1: much contextual knowledge story. about everything yes and but that's everywhere you go
2: mm-hmm.
1: I mean if you see something on your map, that goes, oh, there's an open doorway here that I haven't been through. I wonder what's through there. You're going to go through there. And you're going to find something new.
0: Yeah. You're going to find some interesting character. You're going to find I. Uh, you defeated the collector and you were like, oh, there's a sign here that looks like it's pointing up. What happens if I jump upwards? And you found a secret room that I've never seen before.
1: Yeah, and it was creepy as heck because the collector likes collecting little worm grubs and there was like this we... scientific diagram of a worm grub. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: it was it was really cool it didn't
1: do any do anything
0: but it but, was cool yeah
1: <laughs> there's none of that in metroid dread oh metroid dread like the i was just saying you know she's a bounty hunter not a space pirate my bad it doesn't matter It doesn't change the story in any way there is no story in metroid dread
0: even though there tries to be
1: there, there are three cutscenes barely tries to be either i mean so you get the opening cutscene which is a lame excuse to get samus to a new planet and then all her power gets stripped from her. Then there's absolutely no story development for the next half of the game. Which is what, five hours? At the speed I was going, I guess. And then uh kooky old Birdman shows up. He exposition dumps at you for no reason. five to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Then there's a boss fight. Then there is, again, no storyline whatsoever for the next five hours. And then you get to the final part of the game. And there's another quick exposition dump, final boss fight, and then you leave. And that's it. Like, riveting. Riveting. <laughs> I mean, it's like, I am in an alien world in the ruins of an alien civilization which underwent a giant civil war because of warring factions who disagreed on how best to spread their words and knowledge to the stars. Did you? And th- yes. Oh. And that's, this is all the shit you can give me. Like, there's nothing anywhere in this game that hints to the story except for the fact that old Birdman shows up and spews words at you for 10 minutes halfway through the game.
0: Yeah, because it, it it was honestly a little unclear what the environment you were exploring was supposed to be. Like, I was wondering if it, maybe it was a lab or if it was, it seemed to be some kind of facility rather than a city or
1: ruins. Like, like so- it wasn't. Each part of the map kind of has its own feel to it. Okay. You've got the half of them, yes, do feel like labs of some sort. And that was because of the dread part of the game, but we'll get to that. (laughs) But yeah, you get a bunch of different looking, but not really different feeling sections. Yeah, None of them feed into the story that they're trying to tell. None of them give you any information about the story that you're trying to tell or learn, I guess. And then when you do talk to anything that might be able to further it, they don't like the entire game is one big missed opportunity where half the save rooms, there's three different types of save rooms you go into. Mm -hmm. One of which is your onboard computer, uh, pops up and goes, well done on completing that last bit, by the way, you need to do this now go this way. And that's all he ever says. And you're like, well, okay, that's useful. Great. Thanks.
0: I didn't have a choice anyway, because this is the only way I can go. Yeah.
1: And then the other two are just, there's some random statues in a room and you can save there as well.
0: But All, the, all those look the same.
1: Yes. Well, no, there's two different styles of those. Okay. You're going to run into multiple of each of those, where on some of them you've got like wall carvings and on the other ones you've got statues. Okay. I think that was it.
0: But But the wall carvings and the statues are identical.
1: Yeah. They don't, they don't. Tell anything. Tell anything. Right. And they don't change depending on what zone you're in. So when you find out later about this giant civil war, when you find out later about how the bad guy has supposedly been manipulating you, it doesn't change anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, it's, it's <laughs> just so many missed opportunities in this game that you could deliver the story and build up to it as you're running through all these different zones And allow players to find things out. And oh no, maybe they'll learn a little bit too much before you're ready to have the computer tell them. But that's fine. So long as they discovered it themselves in exploring the map, which is what you want them to do. But no, there's none of that. You don't find anything exploring the map except for the occasional missile upgrade. Two more missiles. That was worth it. So... Like I don't want to give spoilers, I guess, but there isn't really much to spoil from the sounds of it.
0: I mean, I watched you play. That doesn't like it was a very uninteresting game to watch. And I, like I said, I played through Hollow Knight twice and very much enjoyed watching you and how you approached the game again. So I basically played it through three times, once precariously through. <laughs> and and yeah, it, it really is just. Again, apples and oranges when when the world of Hollow Knight and each area feels and sounds very different and you get all this lore and you get all this vibrant like just lots of interesting things and each enemy is different and each boss is very 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 different. And all the platforming is very different. And so it's like it's it's almost a refreshing experience. And I can see why you took to it like a duck to water after Metroid Dread.
1: (laughs) So I made a crack about the title of the game being Dread. Yeah. And it's one of the things that I feel was such a lost opportunity in that the dread in the game comes from the fact that prior to Samus being sent to this planet, they sent off a series of exploratory droids. And those droids got hacked by something and turned evil. And so throughout the game, you keep running into these exploratory droids. The problem with that is it doesn't matter what the rest of the biome looks like wherever you are. The area where the droids are always looks the exact same Mm -hmm. and always plays the exact same.
0: And plays the exact same music.
1: And plays the exact same music. And so it's also the game doesn't know what it wants to be at that point. Because if the droids catch you, it's a one hit KO or kill, I guess. And then you respawn. You're not knocked out. You're dead. They shove a spike in your head and you're going to see that cut scene a few times. Cause they will catch you because again, Samus moves like a truck and <laughs> they're incredibly nimble and you can just get screwed on a bad spawn because the game's, the game tries to say it's a stealth section and the game reinforces this by saying, ah, oh, great. We've given you a cloaking device. You can use this to hide from the droids. And then later in the game, they're going, the droids are so advanced, you're definitely going to have to use that cloaking device now, but you can't actually hide from the droids because every time you do, they just start running mm-hmm. a small search path right next to where you are. So whenever your and cloak as runs out, as, you move. as soon as you move, or as soon as your cloak runs out, which it will, they're on you. Yeah. So you really your only option in those sections that you have to continually redo throughout the game because they're in every biome is... Enter the droid area because they don't appear everywhere. Run as fast as you can to get to the other exit from the droid area and just hope that you got a good spawn on where the droid started so that they're not in your path, which isn't scary. No, It's annoying. It's repetitive. It's boring. It's frustrating, but yeah. it's definitely not scary. Like the better subtitle for this game would have been Metroid Dreadful because...
0: That's what it is. That's
1: what it is
0: it's It's funny you should say that because I was playing Resident Evil Three remake, yes, and you were watching me, and I was getting so frustrated for very very, very very similar reasons in that you have you're constantly stalked by this one bullcrap enemy who constantly like warp practically warps in front of you, he catches you no matter what. Uh, even the zombies will grab you and you get stuck in a cutscene and they'll do loads of damage but they take a bajillion hits to kill and it's not, like you said, it's not scary it's frustrating and when a game is frustrating I like I put it down after the first chapter and I don't know if I'm going to pick it up again but ironically, after playing that and being very annoyed I was like, I want to play something that we own that I haven't finished that should be fun and i ended up picking up ori in the blind forest yes which is another metroidvania <laughs> <laughs> and and i actually tried originally playing Ma- uh, ori in the blind forest after hollow knight and i couldn't because ori moves like a bar of soap uh, whereas the knight moves like a nimble ballerina
1: it's so
0: it's weird, so weird like how
1: you get accustomed <laughs> to that though because we did an episode on Celeste, yes, and Celeste again is pinpoint accuracy with all your moves, and I feel like that with the knight. And so when you go to a game that isn't,
0: it's, it it feels weird. It
1: feels weird, and you're yeah. just, it's, I, I,
0: I, I've gone further in Ori now, but I feel at times I am fighting with the controls more than I should be. Not to to the extent that you are fighting with Samus for sure, but. Yeah, it is. It is annoying when you have a character that's really floaty, or in your case, I don't know. I guess Samus was pretty. I guess dense. Samus seems dense in both meanings I of the we're word. Talking about the movement. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <it's...
1: laughs>
0: but yeah, games with pinpoint accuracy have spoiled us.
1: I like. I like to feel like I'm in control of my character. Mm-hmm. And it, you can do it in all sorts of games, you know, like I was mentioning Doom earlier and what I was saying about key cards and all that could refer to any Doom, but in my head, I was more thinking of Doom 2016. And again, they put in all sorts of weird movement tech in that game, but I always felt like I knew where I was going. Mm-hmm. And so it felt good to control, mm-hmm. but Samus just didn't. And just to, to the extent that I recently did the path of pain in uh, Hollow Knight. Then twice. <laughs> twice, which is incredibly pinpoint platforming. Yes. And I've done things like that, and ever since I started playing two D side scrollers, you know, in the original Mario World on Super Nintendo, there was a whole secret zone that you could get to that was called. It was either the secret zone or the special zone, I can't remember, but there's a series of eight levels I want to say with silly names like tubular and spectacular and all that. And tu- they, they were the pinnacle of that game, essentially, where they just were like, Okay, we're gonna make some really, really shitty levels. I like just we're gonna throw everything but the kitchen sink at these levels, go have fun. And I played them and I beat them, and that's fine. And I like doing things like that. I cleared all the Celeste. I've done the the Path of Pain. You know, I like those types of things so long as you like how the character controls. Yes. But with things like Metroid Dread, I hated Samus's control so much that not only was I feeling that the exploration was pointless because I wasn't getting anything from finding new areas of the map, but I just wasn't having fun doing that. Mm -hmm. Moving her from space to space felt like a chore as opposed to- A joy. A joy. Yeah. There was no fun in it, which was a shame.
0: Yeah. So then, what makes a good Metroidvania to you?
1: I've, going off of what I just said, definitely part of it is you have to enjoy how it plays.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: To jump to the Vania side of it, the Game Boy Advance saw three Metroidvanias released, or three, sorry, three Castlevanias released. Uh the first one, the launch title, Circle of the Moon, then Harmony of Dissonance, then Area of Sorrow. And of those three, Area of Sorrow was definitely my favorite because Soma moved, in my opinion, the best of the three. Um The main character, Circle of the Moon, I think, was very atmospheric and I thought the castle was really good. But the character always felt kind of slow in plotting. Mm-hmm. I never really felt like you could see enough on the screen at didn't like how the character moved.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So if I'm the, the best controls are ones that you don't notice in my opinion.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And so as so long as the, if I'm thinking the character should be going here and doing this and the character is doing that, I mean, I still, you still have to push the buttons. I don't want the game to play itself for me,
2: mm-hmm.
1: but I should just be able to be like, Oh yeah, I know I can do this with the move. I ha- the movement tech I have with this character and they should be able to go off and do that. So that's important to me. Secondly is definitely that sense of freedom. I want to feel like I'm exploring and uncovering things. So in those Castlevanias, you know, once you get past your little initial tech or whatever, and then you can just go around and explore Dracula's castle. That was really fun to me. Uh, in Guacamele, you're going through this kind of Mexican mythology and you're alternating between the realm of the living and the realm of the dead. And, but you can still explore a lot of different areas and you feel really freedom in that, a lot of freedom in that. In Hollow Knight, again, I've already talked about how you just can go, you can pretty much do whatever you want in that game. Who cares? And, the map and there's always something new to find. Yeah. yeah, So that's also to me really important is just that sense of freedom, but that also that sense of achievement and finding things. If you go off on some big, long adventure because you found a new doorway that leads off to some new area, it should feel worthwhile mm-hmm. to go through there. Yeah. I don't just want to go off and be like, ha, 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 and then at the end of it, you're like, there's nothing, there here. nothing down here. Why am I here? Yeah.
0: And the, the, the thing you achieve shouldn't be always be like a new ability or a new weapon or a new gameplay thing. Mechanic.
1: Yeah, storylines could, it could
0: just be important. Lore,
1: yeah. yeah, I mean, like in Symphony of Night, I remember this whole bit where you go through and you get wound, you get sucked back into this memory where uh, your mother was burned at the stake mm. and all this. And you know, I don't remember, you know, if you got some new item or some new ability from all that. I just remember the cutscene and all of that. And that to me is great. Just keep feeding me storylines. And that, I played the PlayStation version, so I missed out on some of the story where the on the Sega Saturn version, there's a whole extra bit with a whole extra part of the game, and it goes more into the story of Maria and all that. So there's there's still even more out there that I haven't played, whatever that was called in Japanese. Nocturne of Moonlight? Something like that? Something like that. Anyway. Uh, so yeah, so that's, you know, there's they're all going to play differently. Like a lot of the Castlevania ones do have a lot more RPG elements where you level up, and you get new gear and all those types of things, and then they'll add in extra bits on there, um, circle of the moon, of the tarot cards, uh, aria of sorrow, had demon spirits. You get and so those types of things. And you know, a game like Hollow Knight doesn't have any of that. You can upgrade your main sword a few different ways, but it doesn't change how it acts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And you find new spells. But so there's a bunch of little mechanics that can be used to differentiate these games. And so long as you can fit those in so they don't feel gimmicky, that's great. But for me, it's definitely a sense of wonder and exploration and not actively fighting your character to achieve the first. Those would be my two main parts of a Castlevania.
0: But bare, bare Mes- minimum, Metroid this Mania. is what. Yeah, that Metroid should be the bare, bare minimum.
1: And Metroid Dread failed on both aspects.
0: <laughs> I actually, after talking to you, I think Ori in the Blind Forest is kind of failing on that as well. In that the the controls are annoying at times and there's not really much point to explore because you don't get much achievements until you realize oh crap everything's doing too much damage I need to go find life but now I'm stuck in a section of the game where I can't go back I have to force my way through it in order to actually progress Mm-mm. which was also probably a bad design
1: Does Ori in the Blind Forest have, when you go exploring when you had that chance did you did you ever get that sense of achievement for exploring, or was it just uh, I got more I think, life?
0: No, I mostly because the only thing you get is life or experience or like ability points. But it was fun to come across a little puzzle and be like, haha, I worked out the puzzle. But uh, that's not very often. Mm, it's a shame. Yeah. I'm still going to finish it though, because it's not a very long game. And I heard that the second game is a lot better. Both in terms of story and gameplay, and they improved a lot on the first one. So that's the plan: more Metroidvania's.
1: Right. Hooray! And hopefully, yeah. we
0: can get Silk Song soon.
1: Fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, after after Hollow Knight, I'm just desperate for more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I think, I think everybody is. <laughs> now you know why I've played through it a few times.
1: It's it's going to be a big boots to fill. You know, I can see why they're taking a lot of time because Hollow Knight has developed a reputation mm-hmm most of it good
0: yep i guess it's almost redefined the genre of metroidvanias or almost rekindled it because i feel like it was thanks to hollow knight that more and more people started going back to making metroidvanias mm-hmm. and before then it wasn't really it was almost a dying genre of video game
1: oh there are some ds and 3ds castlevanias but i can't think of a main console one uh, there are some 3d castlevanias that nobody played which is perhaps mean of me to say, but also true. So <laughs> that was weird, in that I don't know. That was a whole video game thing that was going on at the time where you'd push these. Oh, it's two D, gross. That's a handheld thing, but yes. consoles are three D, and you'd be like, but but the two D ones are actually good.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're right. That was though that was a whole push to do that. I think that was in the same same era as um, Time
1: events. And yeah, I, I already kind of harped on Nintendo for doing that. And there's things that I feel Nintendo's done very well for itself in ignoring industry trends. I mean, if you look at the fact now that you can go anywhere and buy a Switch, whereas you can't find a PS5 for love nor money.
0: I think they've gone done very well in terms of their consoles when ignoring other games. Well,
1: except for the Wii U. The Wii U sucked.
0: Wii U sucked. But when it comes to Nintendo games, I have almost zero interest in any of them. Like, first title first-party titles.
1: Yeah, they this
0: Except maybe the new Kirby. I'm interested in that. <laughs> that looks cute.
1: Yeah. You can learn from other people, Nintendo. Just pick and choose what to learn.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was that episode of Recommendations for My Tokyo Wells.
1: And by recommendation, we mean don't play Metroid Dread, but do play <laughs> Hollow Knight.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. If you haven't
1: yeah it looks better it plays better it's more fulfilling and when you beat a boss you actually feel a sense of accomplishment and not just a sense of relief that you never have to look at it again
0: you can find us at anniebrose.com <laughs>
1: <laughs> or on twitter at anniebrosecreative
0: um, anniebrosecreative.com yeah wait on twitter at Annie creative.
1: yeah but you said the website was anniebrose.com it's anniebrosecreative.com
0: it is it is you're right I'm sorry my bad
1: simply the worst <laughs>
0: Not as bad as Metroid Dread. That's true. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Well, bye. Bye.